Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Injective Hackathon Panel, Integrating Solana and Injective. Let's take a listen. Good morning. I'm super excited to be hosting this panel um, and also be inviting some new teams with us to chat through some of the recent Injective developments. Um, I know we had a recent Twitter Spaces with uh, Neil and the Eclipse team. Uh, to discuss Cascade, which is the first SVM rollup within the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, but that was mostly on a high level because we wanted to host another panel, uh, this panel, during the hackathon um, to shed more light and also invite the teams from Celestia and Solana to come chat with us uh, and provide some context from their perspectives on why Cascade is impactful. Um, before we dive into the questions, um, I'd love for all the panelists to introduce themselves to everyone who is listening. Um, so if you can give a brief background on yourself and the project that you are working on, I think we might still be waiting on Matt. Let me do a quick scan. Matt, if you are in the audience, um, please request, um, speaking rights. Uh, maybe we'll start with um, Nick, and then we will go to Neil and then Eric to close us out. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for having me. I'm Nick. I'm COO of uh, Celestia Labs, and we're building Celestia, which is a, the first modular blockchain network. And um, Celestia is the first blockchain that uh, is just focused purely on something called data availability, which is sort of like the core fundamental bottleneck to scaling blockchains. And um, Celestia has some unique properties, which is that um, it can scale its block space with the number of nodes in the network. So for the first time um, sort of in the history of blockchains, we can have a blockchain that doesn't have sort of this finite capacity um, that can actually grow as there's more people um, using the network. And, and second of all, Celestia is verifiable by anyone um, through this novel technology called data availability sampling. People can verify the, the Celestia blockchain um, with very light hardware, such as just a smartphone. So um, those are the key properties. And Celestia is uh, purpose-built for rollups. So that's why I'm really excited to be here to talk about uh, Cascade and um, all the things that Injective and Eclipse are building together. So thanks for having me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I also see that Matt just joined. Uh, Matt, do you want to give a quick intro to yourself, a brief background, and then the project that you are working on? Yeah, hey, I'm uh, Matt Sorg. I do a lot of uh, things at Solana Foundation, which uh, you can think of as basically the uh, ecosystem side of the Solana ecosystem, you know, like you know, labs that and Fire Dancer that make the two 
core protocols and foundation does a lot of help with ecosystems. So I don't know, the operators, so like validators, and then also uh, any projects that build on top. So, you know, that's why I talked to Neil a bunch about uh, the SVM ecosystem and, and how do we kind of facilitate more together. Um, yeah, help scale. I guess a little bit about me, I, I have a technical background, um, two-time founder, one, one of which is in the blockchain space. Uh, the other one is, you know, direct to consumer hearing aids and so nothing to do with blockchain, but I uh, really like startups, really like, uh, you know, exploring new ideas and, and trying to add value to, uh, you know, wherever, wherever I can and uh, excited to chat with everybody today. Yeah, that's great. And then Neil, um, do you want to reintroduce yourself uh, to the audience? Um, and then Eric, you can close us out. Yeah, so I'm Neil, CEO and founder of Eclipse. And what Eclipse does is it lets you build your own rollup, where a rollup is a type of modular blockchain that takes blocks of transactions and stores those, stores those on some other layer one blockchain, which is why I'm glad that uh, Nick went before me because I can use that as a building block. Uh, so we use some other blockchain for data availability, but a rollup does execution for itself. And what that means is that you can change that execution layer in ways that maybe don't match the layer one blockchain. So in this case, we've created a rollup where it uses the SVM or the C-level virtual machine, but it uses um, some other blockchain under the hood. So this is specialized for the injective ecosystem where the plan is charge gas and injectives native token and build in additional features that are unique to this blockchain. Yeah, we'll definitely um, dive into that a little bit more. But Eric, um, do you want to give a quick intro to yourself just because all the other panelists also have? Um, sure, and just, Yeah, reintroduce your role. Yeah, um, so Injective is a blockchain built for finance. It's an open interoperable layer one blockchain powering the next generation of uh, DeFi and financial applications, including, uh, for example, decentralized bond and derivatives exchanges, uh, prediction markets, lending protocols, and much, much more. It has a set of very powerful core financial infrastructure primitives that applications can leverage uh, optionally, including a fully decentralized MEV-resistant uh, on-chain order book, um, Oracle modules, and different types of derivative uh, primitive. Uh, in addition, you know, all forms of financial markets are fully on-chain, uh, and the decentralized uh, cross-chain bridging infrastructure is uh, compatible with Ethereum, IBC-enabled blockchains, and non-EVM chains such as Solana. Um, so yeah, really excited to talk more about interoperability and uh, rollups. Yeah, I think that that's great. And it just kind of gives a perfect segue um, into the first question for today's panel. Um, so again, we're all here today to discuss the recent launch of Cascade, which is the first SVM rollup within the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and specifically, uh, you know, as was mentioned, we'll dive into Solana, data availability layers such as Celestia and a lot more. Um, but maybe Eric and Neil, um, if you want to chime in and let us know and give a brief description of what Cascade is um, and what it actually brings to Injective and then the larger Cosmos IBC ecosystem. Yeah, I can take that. So Cascade, wait, so what So what Cascade is, is doing is a couple of things. One is that it's the first live SVM testnet chain in the Cosmos ecosystem. So you can actually go ahead and start deploying Solana programs to this chain. Of course, the wallets are a little bit clunky right now, but that's something that we're close to like solving. Uh, but, uh, but that is what looks like the initial contribution to the Cosmos ecosystem. The second thing is that these chains are IBC connected, meaning that you could pass IBC messages between Injective 
and the C-level virtual machine on Cascade. And that's typically a difficult thing to achieve. And historically, uh, there's been like talk about having the Solana layer one incorporate IBC, but it's, it's like a little bit difficult when you're using uh, like Solana consensus. But in this case, it basically requires a light client. But in this case, because we've, uh, we've, we're not relying on Solana consensus, we're, uh, we're able to do it more effectively. So that's, that's like two contributions that uh, Cascade is doing. And I'll let Eric speak more in terms of the significance to the injective ecosystem. Yeah, I think one of the uh, very interesting aspects is that, you know, using uh, the SBM um, as kind of like this uh, smart contract layer uh, allows for a lot of different takes on, you know, um, um, kind of program uh, uh, concepts and also, you know, primitives to be built. And then on top of that, you know, having it, you know, going back and compose with uh, the greater Cosmos ecosystem and composing with, uh, you know, the injective uh, uh, ecosystem applications are, you know, exciting to say the least. And on top of that, um, one of the most interesting aspects of uh, Cascade is that um, it's uh, it's secure uh, and you know partially by the injective uh, validator set uh, upon mainnet, and this means that you know um, the security of uh, the, the Cascade uh, rollup will be you know shared between uh, the injective ecosystem and also um, you know like the uh, Eclipse uh, team. And on top of that, I think one of the really exciting parts is that for the first time, um, the entire you know Solana ecosystem, uh, which can only exclusively, you know, deploy and work with uh, the C-level uh, virtual machine environment with, uh, you know, the full feature and composability uh, setup um, are now, you know, uh, uh, kind of possible on top of injective, are kind of possible, you know, to compose with the greater Cosmos ecosystem and really expand the reach of these applications, um, both horizontally and vertically. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I know that we are kind of talking about SVM, but uh, maybe some listeners here would love for us to distill the technical terms. So, um, Matt, uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of a background on what SVM is, why it's special. I feel like a lot of people might have heard of EVM before, but um, maybe it's not as familiar with SVM. Yeah, I guess in plain English, the SVM is kind of where the code is run, like kind of how the code is run. It's there's different steps in the process you know there's the consensus algorithm there's other like you know bridges there's a there's a bunch of things that kind of go on and then the communication protocols and all that stuff that happen with a um a, a blockchain but but really this is just like talking about how the code is is run and compiled and uh and so if i am a app builder and i want to make some custom logic and have it be run on the blockchain uh coding it in rust solana well actually svm accepts multiple languages now like you could do C++, you could also use uh, a couple of languages on top of what's called Anchor, which is um, a basically a, a framework on top of the SVM. And so you can do that in Python, uh, soon TypeScript and a couple others. But then, um, yeah, the SVM is just where it's run. It's It's got a lot of benefits over EVM. It's really basically purpose built for a blockchain. It does parallel computation. It can help really route uh, the uh, incoming transactions very efficiently. It also really allows um, programs to be cloned. And so basically you can kind of just copy and paste the uh, the execution models very efficiently across, which is I think is really exciting uh, to see as, as the proliferation of SVM happens. You can basically take a protocol that lives on any one of the SVM chains and just kind of copy it over to that functionality over to your chain, um, which is 
very different than the EVM world. So this kind of this composability and other things is is, is pretty exciting and kind of like why, uh, yeah, I'm, we're, we're so excited by this effort. Yeah, and as a follow-up um, from your perspective, and this is honestly a question for all the panelists, um, but why uh, we're talking and saying the cascade is important, but um, what does an SVM layer within injective and more broadly the Cosmos IBC ecosystem mean for the larger Solana community? And then, um, you know, for Eric and for Neil, what does it also like mean um, for the Cosmos community? On the Solana community, I feel that this essentially cements the importance of this virtual machine in crypto in general. In the same way that so many folks uh, just forced the EVM, like Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, that did great things for those ecosystems, but it also fed um, like network effects back into the EVM. And it meant that people consider the EVM when they first dive, dive into crypto. And similarly, I think if there's a lot of applications that can pretty much uniquely be built only on the SVM. Like central limit order books are fairly difficult to build without that. And of course, injective and uh, if you can modify a layer one blockchain, so it's able to support it. But um, but the SVM has like native parallelism. So it's, it's pretty trivial to just deploy like a club or something to that. So I think that now we can start seeing a lot of those applications um, like start popping up in other ecosystems, which historically they, they haven't really had a way to do that. Yeah. And Nick or Eric, any other thoughts that you want to um, provide? Yeah, I think on top of that, you know, like it is kind of like a, uh, this, uh, this, this child that's uh, coming from, you know, uh, the collaboration of uh, multiple ecosystems, you know, uh, Eclipse, Injective, but more importantly, you know, a, a lot of the existing brain share from Solana and uh, uh, Celestia. And I think, you know, this is one of the, you know, marvels of uh, open source uh, and, uh, and, you know, a collaboration within this uh, uh, within this space. And this also means that, you know, developers can, you know, for, for one of the very first time um, to, to deploy their application beyond on, you know, like the Solana chain and to really treat, uh, you know, Cascade as both a scaling solution potentially for the Solana community, but also, you know, a composability and kind of like a uh, um, interoperability uh, um, kind of platform for, you know, all of these uh, ecosystems to connect. So what I think is really cool about Cascade uh, as an idea is that um, it really represents the, the promise of like a modular paradigm for building blockchains in that you can, uh, you know, decouple execution from sort of the underlying blockchain and sort of set it free and, and use it um, in, in new contexts. And so in this case, we're taking the Solana virtual machine, which is the second most widely adopted blockchain VM outside of the EVM, and kind of setting it free for the first time and opening it up, um, you know, to be run on new chains um, with new applications and giving developers the ability to deploy, um, you know, a sort of dedicated SVM instance, which might be really useful uh, and enable them to build things that maybe wouldn't make sense. Um, just deploying naturally on the um, on the actual you know original Solana layer one, and um, that's kind of unique to <clears throat> a modular blockchain paradigm because you need to uh, sort of have this ability to split apart consensus and data availability and execution. And I think as we go forward in time, we'll see more and more of this. And I think ultimately it'd be very beneficial um, to 
both the Solana community as well as um, you know the Cosmos and Celestia communities, because um, as, as we say, it's it's about modularism, not maximalism. Like we should kind of um, free up all the different layers and allow them to be sort of composed and and used to the the best. Um, I said, I guess the, the most like powerful combination. Um, and I think that's something that's really exciting about Cascade. Yeah. And Nick, you had also mentioned really briefly in your intro, you know, that Celestia is the first modular blockchain network. Um, for those who might not be as uh, clear on, I guess, what that means, can you give a brief overview um, and then also, like, maybe condense down a little bit, like, what does it really mean when we um, uh, talk about modularity versus, um, like, a monolithic blockchain? Absolutely. So um, when I say that Celestia is a, the first modular blockchain network, what I mean is as the first um, layer one chain that is built for a modular world. So um, every layer one chain, in some sense, um, you know, can provide uh, consensus and data availability, but um, most of them have, in fact, all of them, I guess, have been built um, with a monolithic paradigm, meaning that they do not just consensus and data availability, but also execution. And um, they're all kind of wrapped together in one single protocol, and that just inherently has um, limitations. The first limitation is um, block space, so uh, a layer, monolithic layer one. Um, has a finite um, capacity of block space. And so eventually, as you know, more and more applications are deployed on it, it, it kind of fills up and you uh, run into congestion and fees increase for users. And the second kind of limitation that monolithic blockchains have is that you're locked within one single execution environment. So that's kind of like, imagine if you buy a new computer, it's usually, you know, already has... Uh, comes with an operating system like Windows or, you know, uh, Mac, for example, and that limits the kinds of applications that you can run on that computer. And so blockchains are very similar uh, in a monolithic paradigm where they come preloaded with um, a cer certain VM. And in a modular paradigm, you break free from those limitations because you actually completely separate execution from the underlying L1, which just does only consensus and data availability. So Celestia actually has no <clears throat> smart contract functionality. It's a very simple and dumb blockchain, but that enables it to be extremely scalable. And uh, so the block space, as I said in the beginning, can increase with the number of nodes in the network. And um, so you, you don't run into congestion. And um, second of all, you can run any arbitrary execution environment on Celestia. So it could be EVM, it could be SVM, can run, you know, Cosmos SDK based <clears throat> blockchains, uh, and even you know make custom VMs that that don't yet exist. So that is sort of um, modular blockchains in a nutshell. And um, the execution layer that would run on top of Celestia are, are rollups essentially. So <clears throat> that's where things like Cascade come in, or or teams like Eclipse who build um, sort of that layer and make it very easy for people to deploy. Um, execution layer chains. Yeah, I think that that's great. Um, and it gives a perfect segue to talk a little bit more about scalability in general. Um, so I know all the projects, um, 
here today on the panel uh, are working to create infra that is more scalable than the typical norms within the industry. Um, so this is honestly a question for all the panelists. Uh, what challenges or limitations do you think you know still remain when it with respect to scalability? Yeah, I, I can kind of like start off and chime in on that. I think one of the you know biggest uh, uh, bottleneck when it comes to scalability within uh, a monolithic environment is uh, first of all you know like two two fundamental problems. Number one is you know like the shared uh, you know, mutable ledger uh, problem, and then the second one is uh, really um, kind of like the reliance on sequ uh, sequentiality and also atomicity, and this means that basically everyone is trying to you know write and execute within the same environment, and you know they're, they're all interlinked uh, together uh, in one way or another. And while there are you know a lot of uh, parallelization solutions, and you know Solana uh, uh, team has done a wonderful job of uh, you know expanding upon that feature, but um, one of the you know still like a remaining bottleneck is that. Um, these type of uh, um, kind of parallelization still relies on kind of like an idiosyncratic uh, kind of like an execution chain, which would then, you know, like an increasingly composable and increasingly uh, atomic uh, um, kind of ecosystem of uh, decentralized applications uh, will, will still create, you know, like a, a issue around, you know, scalability. And also like, uh, you know, everyone trying to write the same type of uh, uh, shared global state will also kind of uh, decouple or like kind of weaken uh, the advantages of uh, parallelization. And this means that, you know, over time, you're just going to see, um, um, you know, kind of like a bottleneck if uh, all the uh, all the dApps and all the kind of like uh, environments are uh, all relying on the same, you know, um, kind of like a canonical uh, uh, sequential uh, like execution uh, uh, or transaction sequence. And I think, you know, um, L2 certainly, you know, uh, resolves a lot of that uh, roll-up modular blockchain uh, certainly, you know, will, will be kind of like a paradigm shift uh, when it comes to, you know, truly scaling uh, the application level. And um, for Injective's case, you know, um, one of the most uh, heavily used or one of the most active uh, module is the exchange module. And utilizing the frequent batch auction actually resolves a lot of the inherent uh, scalability issues um, uh, that are pers uh, persistent within, you know, uh, any type of blockchain. Um, and by em employing, you know, frequent batch auction in a time agnostic and sequence uh, agnostic way, um, basically there are, you know, quite a few uh, elements, if not all, uh, that can make that can be made, you know, batched and, uh, and and parallelizable. And this basically implies that, you know, um, uh, injective can be, you know, hyperscalable and evolve um, uh, along with kind of like the uh, growing, you know, uh, research and development and the technology stack uh, on the exchange module aspect. But that being said, you know, um, there's still a lot of uh, work to be done on smart contract layer. There's a lot of work to be done on, you know, uh, different aspects and a lot of innovations with um, the modular stack of uh, blockchain will certainly, you know, uh, uh, improve and help. And on top of that, basically, you know, um, I would say that, you know, by, by sticking to kind of like a way of thinking and uh, design within uh, EVM, uh, kind of uh, uh beholden, you know, uh, decentralized application developers into a certain mindset uh, of uh, composability and, uh, you know, the, the the requirement or the necessity for uh, atomicity and the faster, you know, uh, the space kind of like decouples from that and building a lot of infrastructures to alleviate the uh, uh, kind of like the, the cons of uh, uh, losing out atomicity, the, the better, you know, the these application will be able to scale to, you know, service uh, the billions of users that can onboard.
Yeah, that's great. Um, thank you for that overview. Wondering if any of the other panelists had any thoughts um, about what Eric just shared, um, or also just thoughts, again, on the question of, you know, what challenges or limitations do you think remain uh, with respect to scalability? Yeah, on that like global state point, I guess uh, like to some degree, even in like a centralized system, it's it's not really like it's hard to get around that. If let's say there's a ton of writes and reads for the exact same piece of state, then uh, then it's hard to scale that in general. But I think unique to crypto is like the concerns about like because we want to make it decentralized and we want anyone to participate. That means that we don't want to rely on like let's say special hardware for a particular application. Or we don't want to build in like special types of operations in general uh, into some kind of shared chain that like, that everyone's supposed to be using, because special hardware means that fewer people are able to participate. But that that's what I really like about rollups, which is now we can have chains that their execution layer does rely on that special hardware, and even if the number of nodes that run that rollup are fewer, uh, it's still like you, you get to sh uh, share the security budget of some other blockchain, uh, because typically if you try to run your own layer one blockchain for all these bespoke different execution layers, you'd have serious security fragmentation. So uh, so that's one thing that I think that like these uh, like projects like Celestia are really solving. Uh, and then on the, on the side of what's remaining, I think uh, just like the process of in the, in the direction of rollups for scalability, just the continued process of like further decentralizing it uh, is something that's still a work in progress. And I think that there's a, a pretty credible path to doing so. Yes, and then once scale is actually achieved, um, there often remains issues with interoperability. I know big value add that Cascade is aiming to bring um, is to provide an SVM layer with the IBC ecosystem, um, which can ideally provide seamless interoperability. So how are your projects tackling um, interop? Uh, what building blocks do you think will help us reach higher levels? Um, do we think that also, the way that interoperability works today is um, like the final, I guess, iteration, right, of um, what it's going to look like in the future. And that's an open question um, for all the panelists. I'll jump in here for, for a bit. Um, so Celestia is um, unique in that um, we see that kind of like the current sort of paradigm of interoperability is uh, actually kind of in, in inherits trust assumptions. So um, IBC or pretty much um, any bridge live today, um, when you're using it, you're kind of, you're assuming either that a independent committee is honest or you're assuming that the counterparty chain will be honest. And um, I think that's fine. Uh, in certain cases, but if we want blockchains to scale to, you know, having millions of chains in the future, basically scaling to the, the size and the diversity of, of the internet itself, which I think is where we want to go, we need uh, better models that have um, sort of weaker trust assumptions. And a really cool thing about the modular paradigm is that um, you can build these things called trust minimized bridges, which um, are essentially bridges that uh, verify the other chain so you don't you no longer have to actually trust that the other chain is honest um, you can actually verify that uh, the state that they're like sending you uh, is accurate and and valid so 
Um, we think that this is sort of the, the future of interoperability and it's uniquely enabled by um, separate chains or rollups sharing um, a common data availability layer like Celestia. So um, the cool thing about Celestia is it has this uh, uh, sort of like property where if two rollups are posting their data and their blocks to Celestia, they can have this trust minimized bridging functionality. Um, now, the thing is that there's still um, a lot of things to be built to make that possible. Um, luckily, the data availability layer is will soon be there once Celestia launches, but we need to extend and upgrade interoperability protocols like IBC to um, support this new use of them. And, and it's non-trivial because you have to, um, there's just uh, a lot of sort of like uh, nuances to this model. And also we need better sort of proof systems for these chains. So things like, um, you know, fraud proofs and, and ZK proofs to um, basically prove the validity of the state underneath it. And uh, luckily though, there's a lot of teams that are working on this. Um, and um, I think that it will get built and it will happen. And once we get there, we'll kind of be, you enter in this new era of, of shared security and interoperability. Yeah, and then I think that that is, I think I have a follow-up question um, for you, Nick, and then Neil. Um, you know, again, uh, uh, Cascade um, plans to integrate Celestia for data availability. We'd love to hear from you both um, how Celestia will fit into the data data availability availability layer, um, and how Cascade can achieve further scale using Celestia. Oh, mind if I uh, jump in here real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so so I think one of the most amazing thing about uh, Cascade and, you know, completely made possible thanks to Celestia and obviously a lot of the existing work done by, you know, the Solana team is that um, it's one of the very few, you know, roll-up or scalability solutions out there um, that can, uh, you know, break away from the single operator model. And this means that, you know, for uh, a lot of the L2 solutions today, such as um, basically, you know, Optimism, Arbitrum, or, you know, ZK Rollup, et cetera, all practically requires a single operator to oper uh, to, to maintain, you know, like this uh, source of truth. And because of, you know, like the, uh, the data burden and a lot of the different types of uh, networking issues, um, it's, a, it's a natural convergence towards a single, you know, operator that's completely centralized uh, to be able to maintain, you know, uh, uh, kind of liveness of uh, this uh, rollup solution. But this is completely not the case to uh, Cascade. It's actually, you know, uh, uh, decentralized. Different components can be split up by, you know, a set of validators and secured by, you know, different types of par uh, parties. And more importantly, you know, over time, I uh, can uh, expand into uh, more and more operators um, and, you know, even evolve into its uh, own, you know, kind of like a, uh, a consensus secure chain, uh, whether that be proof of stake, et cetera. And I think that is, you know, one, one of the most exciting thing about, you know, uh, all of these uh, uh, kind of like modular blockchains and all of these uh, 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 scalability and rollup layers uh, for injective, uh, for Eclipse, et cetera. Uh, um, that's completely different from, you know, a lot of the kind of like the dominant L2 solutions. Yeah, and I think that Eric, um, you were also mentioning a little bit about like data burden. Uh, Nick, if you want to provide a little bit of context or background, um, because obviously Celestia 
um, focuses on data availability, um, but not specifically uh, data storage. So uh, can you provide some context for the listeners on um, what the difference uh, between that is um, and, and yeah, what Celestia is really um, seeking out to do? Thanks. Um, so I'm glad you asked this question because data availability, I think it's um, a very confusing term, um, mostly because of the, the, the name, I guess. It's also a very nuanced concept. So what data availability is, is um, very different to data storage, even though the, the names sound similar. So data availability is solving the problem that um, in order to have these sort of um, you know shared state machines, which are blockchains, um, uh, we need to have sort of common data that is publicly available for anyone to download and inspect. Uh, and, and that is sort of like just a fundamental property that these systems need in order to be secure and transparent. And so what data availability is specifically like, and so um, if you want to build uh, a blockchain, typically the way that like a monolithic blockchain solves for data availability is that they require every node in the network to just download all of the block data. So every time a block is published, uh, every full node will download that entire block and re-execute every transaction. And so in a sense, they're, they're um, ensuring that the data is available by directly downloading it. So they're proving to themselves that the data is there by actually you know, going and um, pulling it from the internet onto their machine. Um, but that doesn't scale because uh, as the number of transactions increases and as the blocks get bigger and bigger, um, you will need to start downloading more and more data. So now if you, you know, let's say that block size increased by 1,000x, you will need um, a thousand times uh, more bandwidth uh, to download that block data and verify that it is indeed available. And so this is where a blockchain like Celestia comes in and a technology called data availability sampling, which uh, is essentially a technique where you can verify that the data behind a block is available, like you could download it if you wanted to, um, it, like it's been published to the internet, but um, you don't have to download the entire block yourself. Instead, you select random samples of the block and download that. And the more samples you um, download, the likelihood that the entire block is available uh, increases. It's kind of like flipping a coin. Like the more times that you flip the coin and it lands heads, the more likely it is that the block is available. Um, and so that what this means is that the block size can grow by a thousand X, but the amount of data that you have to download grows only a very small amount. So um, people can still verify the blockchain without uh, verify that the data is available without actually having to have a very um, high resource node. And um, verifiability is really important because that's what blockchains are all about. Um, they're about minimizing trust assumptions. And the way that you minimize trust assumptions is by not trusting someone that something is is uh, you know valid, but by checking it yourself, and so that's why it's really powerful. And just a side note is that um, you know data availability is sort of the the um, fuel that all rollups run on. So rollups um, need to post their transaction data 
somewhere that people can verify that it that data is available. And that's necessary because um, people, for optimistic rollup, they need to be able to generate a fraud proof. If the data is not available, the um, other nodes in the uh, optimistic rollup can't generate a fraud proof. And um, in a ZK rollup, if the data is not available, no one can actually reconstruct the state of the chain. And so you you have this danger that the, the chain could be halted and no one would be able to sort of continue producing blocks. So that is what data availability is in a nutshell. Data storage, by the way, is ensuring that the data is going to be around for a certain period of time. And it's very different. It doesn't actually help you verify that the data is actually there or has been published. Um, it's, it's about you know, data persistence, if you will, or retrievability, which is a very different problem. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for that overview. Um, and also just going to do a little plug here because this is part of our hackathon um, for more details um, on like the how to's, um, how um, this will all be working together. We are going to be hosting an Eclipse uh, workshop um, at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that's in about uh, like four, three, four hours from now. Um, and so that'll happen on our Discord. Um, but yeah, I wanted to switch gears a little bit because, you know, we are talking a lot about on a technical level, you know, how um, Eclipse, Celestia, Cascade all kind of like work together. Um, but wanted to maybe um, hear a little bit more on how this works from like a user perspective once um, an app has um, actually uh, a Solana app has actually launched and utilized Cascade to launch an objective. Um, so maybe there's a question for Matt. Um, is experience going to be exactly the same from a user perspective, right? Whether or not you're part of the Injective or Cosmos IBC ecosystem um, or the Solana ecosystem, like how how will that work? Um, and how can the DAP uh, tap into IBC and native um, Injective modules? Um, I can speak to kind of like some of the, the core differences. Uh, I wouldn't be able to speak exactly to the injective stuff, but I mean, I think the main thing um, when you're across like an ecosystem is really about the tools and the, yeah, like quite literally like the ecosystem of um, both the operators, like the validators who are running it, and then all the infrastructure built on top and infrastructure kind of defined as like the wallets, the RPCs, um, anybody reading and writing and um, collaborative, like basically whatever business operations that are happening. Um, so yeah, I think that's like kind of the, the, the uh, yeah. So if you're going to, from Solana mainnet, which kind of has, you know, 2000 validators at any given time and a bunch of, you know, wallets and, and, and um, yeah, other operators. So it's like this great ecosystem. And then you could um, both, when you make, make another SVM, you do have to kind of figure out those, and that's kind of like actually what Celestian and these other apps do is that they, they kind of provide some of that stuff out of the box and then they give you some configuration options for other parts of it. Um, we make it a lot easier to, to, to do that because there are a lot of challenges if you don't have some system for that, but then they also provide, um, yeah, like, like I was saying, like the data availability and kind of that level of the infrastructure as well. Um, yeah, for, so from the DAPS perspective, it's really just about like, do you want that configuration option and knowing that you'll have to do a little bit of extra work and a little extra thought because some of the stuff isn't made for you, like the RPCs and other things. Um, so it's a kind of configuration versus uh, 
uh, being part of a larger ecosystem that you can kind of collaborate with. Um, so that's like kind of the choice of the builder, I think. I don't know if anybody else has any distinct thoughts there. Yeah, I think another, um, you know, just, just, just a name, you know, one, one example off the top of my head. Um, first of all, you know, utilizing IBC, it's basically like a generic message passing layer. So this being said, you know, any type of, uh, you know, forwarding instructions or any type of uh, very interesting um, um, kind of like uh, composability ideas are all completely possible on top of IBC. It's really about, you know, how different types of uh, uh, dApps handle these type of, uh, you know, forwarded requests uh, or forwarded instructions. And on top of that, you know, uh, the native uh, injective module uh, with, you know, the help of a few, you know, potential um, smart contracts or, you know, different types of native uh, um, work can make basically uh, the SVM um, uh, cascade layer, you know, completely composable uh, and, you know, um, um, interactive with, uh, well, like, 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 uh, interoperable with uh, the injective exchange module or even grab price fees from, you know, the Oracle layer um, or, you know, um, um, you know, creating uh, on-chain strategies that for the uh, uh, kind of like final instruction onto injective in a much more, you know, um, uh, computationally uh, efficient way. Um, and also, you know, uh, being able to, you know, create markets, uh, being able to have a you know, concentrated liquid venue um, uh, on top of the injective exchange module, uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, having these type of uh, atomicity and uh, composability uh, in like a, you know, uh, a cross-chain uh, equivalent of atomicity uh, by basically enabling, you know, non-interactive uh, um, uh, kind of like uh, uh, instructions uh, or transactions. But like these are all possible. And uh, that, that's something, you know, like I'm really excited to see more and more. Uh, where, you know, there could be, you know, on-chain uh, strategies that are running off of the cascade uh, that are, you know, submitting, uh, you know, or executing on top of the injective uh, exchange module, or there could be, you know, uh, lending protocols or, you know, margining mechanisms that, you know, does, you know, most of the bulk of the parallelizable computation on the cascade layer and, you know, extending the loan uh, or, you know, credit on top of the injective uh, or even, you know, uh, having like a Solana native uh, application, um, you know, being able to like uh, compose and extract liquidity from Injective to create a much stronger uh, kind of like flow or uh, execution. No, I think that's great. And Neil, um, I don't know if you want to hop in here and also kind of give your two cents on maybe the long-term vision for Cascade um, and what you know, more can we expect to see in the world of rollups um, as it relates to Eclipse um, or alternate um, virtual machines? Yeah, I think that Eric did a great job of talking about the different directions that this chain's use case can move in. And I think I'd, I'd add on a couple, like, for example, we can add in a mempool into this pool, into this chain, which historically the Solana L1 doesn't have a mempool to optimize it. But I can imagine like an a mempool that redistributes the MEV, for example, or similar to what the Injective L1 does, we could build in a frequent batch auction to enable applications that couldn't exist in, uh, in Solana or couldn't exist in Injective. I can see this being used for like NFT mints, like mass NFT mints. And we have some, uh, some projects with some fairly big NFT, pro um, NFT, like PFP projects that we haven't announced yet. But I could see that kind of functionality being incorporated into this chain because Cosmos doesn't have like a, a great chain for NFTs, in my opinion, at this point. Uh, so I think that this could really, this could serve as that hub potentially. So those are like a couple of ideas for this chain in particular. 
as far as Eclipse in the future, I think that I could see a lot of ecosystems spinning up SVM chains or SVM rollups for their ecosystem via this mechanism and to kind of mimic what Injective is doing. And we've had a lot of ecosystems uh, reach out to us, uh, a lot of other Cosmos chains in particular, but also uh, like non-Cosmos. So I think that we're going to see a lot of like mass SVM adoption. Uh, and I think that we're going to see a lot of folks mixing and matching the features that they're seeing that are interesting from other ecosystems that maybe they, they can't build into their layer one just because it would like damage uh, like the, the way that applications were historically constructed on that chain. But they would want to have some kind of almost canary network that they can experiment with. So that, that's what I'm seeing as a future where uh, people spin up like quite a few more of these chains uh, that, are, that are more specific to their ecosystems. I, I think like, you know, like inherently SVM also has a lot of advantage. Like um, basically, you know, AI is, I guess, like the hot thing these days. And one, one of the things that that's really interesting uh, with the SVM is that it's highly parallelizable and it's inherently parallelizable. And this also means that, you know, it's uh, very friendly for, you know, um, um, scalar multiplication and it's very friendly for, you know, any type of like, you know, uh, data relatively light, but computationally intensive tasks that are at the same time parallelizable. Um, these are all possible. And by having this type of like new environment, it creates a much more uh, friendly uh, um, kind of, uh, or, or, you know, completely new possibilities for different types of uh, verticals of uh, decentralized applications. And for those who wanted to get started with Cascade today, Neil, um, have we shared just yet on how developers would be able to get access to uh, the testnet? Yes. Uh, if you, uh, maybe we can post a link after or something, but it's docs.cascadehq.xyz. And uh, you should go to those docs and I'll, maybe we'll also like link the announcement tweet where, uh, where those docs were linked. And people should start trying it out, giving us feedback on the chain, things that they'd like to see or uh, things that are going really well. And we'll be sure to incorporate that uh, as we continue adding improvements to this chain. Yep, we'll definitely be sure to post those links. Um, and again, uh, for the Injective Hackathon, we have the workshop in a couple of hours on our Discord um, on how to access um, and uh, how to get access um, and also how to utilize. Um, and then I'm taking this one from Mirza um, as we kind of end um, to do a little bit of a hot take. Uh, what is one hot take that um, you all have with regards to crypto, scalability, modularity, AI, any other relevant topic um, that most would not agree with? If you guys want to give a hot take before we close. Yeah, I'll give one. Um, and so this is motivated by, I don't know, earlier uh, Nick was talking about like bridging and trust minimized bridging. And I, I think that that's like a, it's a useful term, but I also feel that trust minimized bridges historically have been like, I, I think that the emphasis has been a little bit overdone. And I don't know if, the, if there's actually that much utility from a user's perspective of a trust minimized bridge versus some other kind of bridging. So that's, that would be my hot take, which is that it's just a little bit overrated at this point. Bold hot take. Anyone else have a hot take to share before we close it off? Um, I, I think you know, the recent stuff around LMs and all the hype around uh, ChatGPT and stuff like that, um, for it to be, you know, 
production ready and kind of like public rollout ready or you know to, to see like like a sub- substantial form of uh, commercial adoption um we're, we're still you know 10 10 to 20 years out and basically you know right now like there's certainly a lot of you know like early type of uh, uh applications and adoptions around it um that are you know certainly getting a lot of hype and you know certainly very very useful but at the same time you know um the 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 hidden force of uh you know, uh, um, unit economics uh, is going to kind of uh, uh, push out a lot of these uh, applications in the long run. Oh, 10 to 20 years out. Oh, Nick? Yeah, um, I don't have a specific hot take, um, but I will agree with Neil that in the short term, um, the sort of like committee-based bridging and um, sort of like the, the the current sort of standard and paradigm of bridging that is trust-based is actually going to be great and has a lot of advantages over trust-minimized bridging in terms of latency um, and the security is good enough. Um, but I think where trust-minimized bridging will matter is longer, further in the future when the ecosystem grows by, let's say, 100x or 1,000x and um we need like a lot more capital efficiency in bridging and 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 it, we need there'll be just so much value and and i guess messages to bridge that like the current models like of trust based bridging will break down so in the near term it's not that important but i do think it's really important that we get there uh eventually and that we have technology that that can do that otherwise i think it would be a ticking time bomb for blockchain like blockchain ecosystem broadly. All right. And then I'll throw it over to Matt. Um, and this is just open also if you wanted to share any final thoughts um, or anything that's upcoming that you guys are working on um, just to kind of close this out. Uh, well, I've been a little bit distracted in this call because Helium uh, launches on Solana today. Yay. Uh, that's cool. Uh, if, if people don't know what that means, Helium is a was on its own L1. Uh, it is a decentralized, like basically internet, um, and it is uh, both utilizing a technology that we rolled out recently called compressed NFT, or like I don't know what the official branded name is. Basically, it's <laughs> it's a kind of a it's a it's a lower cost NFT system. So they're going to mint NFTs to represent all the hotspots. So the decentralized you know internet network. So a bunch of people just independently permissionlessly run their own hotspots and they're going to have their um, kind of operation be represented as an NFT so they can trade it and all the nice properties of, um, you know, this is like pure utility NFT uh, so they can kind of get the, the rewards from hosting their, their internet uh, through this NFT representation. So it's really cool to actually like see these, these technologies kind of uh, be on a very, very functional application. Um, and they weren't able to do that on their own L1 because they didn't have a bunch of smart contracts and stuff on that. So uh, that's really exciting. Uh, I think that I'm kind of <laughs> overviewing right now as we speak, making sure that RPCs are, you know, all everything's everything's set up correctly because it is a new. Uh, we're not really worried about it from the the volume perspective, but like they are using a bunch of new technologies, which is um, uh, kind of cool to kick off. I think on the spicy take thing though, it kind of like related to this. I think that. Uh, uh, blockchain is ready, I guess, to have some really awesome applications. And, and I think 
I'm obviously working on in the infra side, so it's <laughs> it's not like I'm I'm against further developing infra, but I, I would just like kind of challenge everybody in this call that especially that, that are builders is really thinking about that killer application that makes use of blockchain. Like what what are the ecosystem effects that you can kind of facilitate with other apps that you're building alongside and and um, what's really going to add value to a, a user and like really understand that user persona. Because um, I think, you know, again, I'm working in infra, so I think it, it is a very valuable thing to think about like what the future is going to hold for blockchain. But I do think that we really need to start seeing some apps get product market fit um, as well. And that would, I think, just help the whole ecosystem out. Yeah, that's Congrats. awesome. Congrats. Yeah, congrats on Helium. Um, we end with a, you heard it first live. Uh, I also like the rebranding of a hot take into a spicy take. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to use that moving forward. Um, but thank you so much to all the panelists uh, for joining today's conversation and for everybody who's here listening in. Um, hope you found that just as enlightening as I did. Um, and again, we are going to be hosting um, an Eclipse workshop um, in the next three hours for the Injective Hackathon. Um, so builders, please come and join, um, learn how to utilize Cascade, find that new um, user perspective app, um, because as Matt says, blockchain is ready. Um, and thank you so much for joining. And we'll post this um, uh, panel on our YouTube shortly so you can listen in again. But thank you so much, everyone. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Injective Hackathon panel, Integrating Solana and Injective, recorded on Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Laser beam focused, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den vision in the middle men listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next bubble billion talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next bubble billion Little den envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the birds view. Gotta find cover. Wipe off the bird poop. Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth. Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion.
middleman, listen to the fiddle man, play a little ditty then, talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next b-b-b-billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next b-b-b-billion. Spaces.